Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Start of a new week with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Hope you had a great weekend. We're able to get outside and enjoy some weather. Maybe got a little bit of rain mixed in, oh, yesterday, I suppose. And um, hopefully it was a good weekend. We're glad to have you along for the start of a new week. I think there's a lot of positive news to get to today. Uh, a bunch of stuff that's happening in the sports world. We had wa- uh, live sports this weekend. We have announcements from some of the biggest states in the country that have otherwise been unlikely or unwilling to host sporting events, that that is about to change. And we just got some really cool scheduling news. Just got an email from Ole Miss literally six minutes ago. And I think this is the biggest news since mid-2000s when it was announced that Ole Miss and Texas would play a home-and-home with Texas coming to Oxford in 2012 and then Ole Miss making the return, uh, return trip to Austin in 2013. Ole Miss and Southern Cal have agreed to a home-and-home series in football for 2025 and 2026. So a little bit different. It's not one of those announcements where it's like 14 or 15 years off. You're talking about five years from now, six years from now. Ole Miss will go to Southern Cal and will play in the Coliseum on August 30th. That would be the season opener in 2025. And then the following year on September 19th, will host Southern Cal in Oxford. A quote from Lane Kiffin, USC will always be a special place to my family and me, and we're excited to finalize this series. This will showcase two of college football's greatest game days, and we look forward to this meeting down the road. Uh, When you look at uh, the 2025 schedule for Ole Miss, the Rebels will go to Southern Cal, talking about non-conference games, host Wake Forest, host the Citadel, and host two lanes. That'll be a fun schedule in 2025. Uh, As far as future non-conference opponents, this year Ole Miss plays Baylor. Next year they will play Louisville in Atlanta in the season opener. They're scheduled to play Georgia uh, against Georgia Tech in 2022 in Atlanta and then 2023 in Oxford. And that is a series that has gotten postponed about half a dozen times going back to the early 2000s. They will go to Wake Forest in 2024, go to Southern Cal 2025, and then uh, host Southern Cal, host Oregon State in 2027. (laughs) Now we're getting a long way down the road. They go to Oregon State in 2030. There's a home-and-home of Virginia Tech in 2032 and 37. And then a home-and-home of Purdue in 33 and 34. So those are a bit down the line, but... uh, that's some pretty cool scheduling news. Uh, Ole Miss and Southern Cal in five and six years from now down the road. 
Welcome to the show. Glad to have you along. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Experiencing fever, cough, sore throat, or shortness of breath? C Spire and UMMC are partnering to offer free COVID-19 screening through the C Spire Health app for all Mississippians experiencing symptoms. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. Fellas, how was your weekend? Borky, what's up? Oh, not a whole lot, I guess. What'd you do in the yard this weekend? <laughs> Not much. I uh, went to a crawfish boil Saturday, um, and then yesterday, just intermittent rain kind of stopped me from being able to do what I wanted to do. I felt like I timed it perfectly this weekend. Uh, I put fertilizer out on, on the uh, on the yard, and then it rained right after it put it put it out. Then it stopped, and the sun came out, and I was able to go get some grass seed and put down in some spots in the uh, the back that are bare. Got some fertilizer down on them, and then, bam, rained again. So perfect timing on that, hopefully. Now if the uh, grass will just grow in those uh, those areas. Uh, Rippy, why are you shaking your head vigorously? What's up? So I did not time this perfectly. I was on the golf course on Sunday, and, mm. like, the first little shower happens, and we're like, all right, we're fine. And then there was one in the middle of, like, a par-5 fairway that – basically went from a drizzle to just i mean it literally lasted seven minutes but i got caught on a golf cart in a torrential downpour with pretty much nowhere to go um (laughs) for a solid you know five to seven minutes like we were hiding behind trees and stuff which was not working very well like we talk about soaking i'm talking about dripping from like the brim of my hat to my socks it was uh i I couldn't have been wetter if i were in a pool did did you finish the round no no because we so we waited out we actually a buddy of mine's parents live near one of the holes, so we like retreated up there, waited it out, like tried to like air dry a little bit, and then we got a hole and a half in, and it did it again. So we went home. That was that was enough at that point. You didn't want to slosh your way around the golf course for the rest of the yeah. afternoon with like I squishy mean, between, wet shoes. Yes, between that, the standing water, and just everything I owned being soaked, I was just ready to head to the house. Two rounds were enough this weekend. I didn't need a third. So so no rain gear in your bag. Well. I have rain gear in my bag, but it recently was like I took it out. I think I was like walking somewhere. It was like a make it lighter type of thing, and uh, just didn't check the forecast yesterday. So not not a great move on my part. Hey, Dad, what's up? Not much. I I, I didn't I didn't get rained on this weekend, so I'm pretty excited. Well, it's pretty easy roof, to not yes. get rained on when you never leave your house. I mean, I went outside Saturday. I cooked out. There you go. Have you started? Uh, preparing for your walking 1500 miles in a month I'm sorry, 150 miles in a month <laughs> 1500 would be pretty pretty expressive uh you know I'm, I'm i'm prepared to start if people would donate money this just hasn't happened yet though we're only about halfway to the goal there you go you're up over 2500 dollars raised though at this point in uh, donations to extra table you can go to brian haydad's uh twitter feed and click on the link and uh, make a donation and i think people are really they're just taking their time on this because they realize the longer they wait to get you to five thousand dollars, the hotter it's going to be. The hotter it's going to be, my friend. Yeah, July one, we'll hit the goal. And be like, all right, there let's you get go. set to sweat. Yeah, you you don't get to uh, then delay it until November to begin your uh, your walk. No, no, no. The day it, the day we're good, we're good. Hey, I'm curious everybody's reaction to uh, to this news. Ole Miss and Southern Cal in a home and home. That's pretty cool, isn't it? 
That's really cool. I, I for one, am a little surprised that Southern Cal would do this. Okay, why? Partially because I think if, as Southern Cal, you could have gotten what is a more marquee program from the SEC to do a home-and-home with you. Possibly so. I mean, you've also, the other thing is... And they've got Alabama this year to open the season, you know? Sure, Uh, sure. Here we go. If it even happens. But, um, <laughs> and maybe it's the Kiffin factor. I've seen a lot of jokes about how this is just uh, the longest trip to the airport in history. Kiffin finally gets to actually, uh, you know, fly back to Southern Cal. But I, I'm, I'm a, I, when I saw that, I was a little <laughs> surprised. Yeah, I, I got the reference. Part of it, though, also has to. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I, Part of it has to do with whether or not you've got spots on the schedule as well. So there's got to be it's got to be attractive enough of a matchup. And no, I mean Ole Miss going to Southern Cal is not Alabama or Georgia or Florida playing in that game. But if Kiffin is still there, the national interest will be through the roof. Whew, it will be. Absolutely, will be. Hey, Dan, what's your reaction to that? I'm I'm with Borky. You know, there there are certain programs that you just would assume would never come to Mississippi State or Ole Miss. Southern Cal is one of them. Let's say with like Notre Dame, Ohio State, the places like that, just because they can always get more better and, and more marquee matchups. So that's a that's a big get for for Ole Miss. And you know, you think back to that, that when Ole Miss uh, played Texas, that was a big win for them when they got that. They they won in in uh, Austin, right? Yeah, lost in Oxford. Um... Yeah. I think that game kicked off at like eight o'clock or eight thirty Central was, Time, and Texas that was scored, sort of uh, is still scoring. Yeah, that was sort of you know Hugh Freeze's sort of first big win. I mean, he had a couple in in twenty twelve, but that was sort of the one that announced, "Hey, this program is going in a, in a different direction." Uh, so you know, opportunity. Obviously, it certainly road, did but, that. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I try. I tried to be nice. I tr- and this is what you do. I'm trying to be nice here. Uh, but that said, I mean, obviously it's five years away, so you would hope Kiffin has things going, if you're an Ole Miss fan, going in the right direction before then. But that could be a, a statement win come that time, if you get there. Um, the I wonder... Who's the coach on both teams at 2026? Definitely not Clay Helton. <laughs> I can guarantee you that It's kind one. of mostly where I was going, but I figured I'd include both just for the sake of the question. I wonder if, you know, people love to poke fun at the Grove and the whole tailgate environment and, you know, with with good reason at times. But I wonder if that being kind of an attractive trip for opposing fans makes that a more palatable one-off than it would for for some others. I mean, when Texas came in 2012, I mean, good grief, there were probably ten to 15,000 Texas fans that made the trip, and it was a really cool environment, and then it was the exact same thing, a bigger stadium. Ole Miss probably took somewhere between fifteen and 20,000 fans to Austin uh, the following year in 2013. So this is pretty cool. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. C Spire text line hopping early today, 601-879-4395. If you want to be part of the conversation, feel free to jump in and let your voice be heard. Here's some of the early 
text in from the day. Curious to see if Kiffin watches those games in five years while he's coaching at Texas. Okay? Uh, Next one. Do you think Kiffin will still be at Ole Miss when they play USC? What's the longest stint he has had as a head coach? And not to mention, I mean, what, that's six years from now? Correct? Yeah, Yeah, this season and, yeah, 2025, so... When's the last time Ole Miss has had a head coach last six seasons? Is it Cutcliffe? Believe that is correct. We'll see. Did Hugh Freeze only last five or did he last six? Twelve through sixteen, so five, right? Five. 13, yeah, 14, five. 15, 16, yeah. Uh how about this one? Like August thirtieth, twenty twenty five. Ole Miss Southern Cal at Memorial Coliseum, Georgia, UCLA in the Rose Bowl. Well, that's cool. Yeah. You might want to get on booking your flights now because the Atlanta to Los Angeles flight will uh, probably (laughs) spike in price and will be a mix of red and black and red and blue. That actually could present some travel problems. (laughs) Not that that's the only way you can get to uh, California. Uh, Here's another one that says, great for Ole Miss, but kind of doubt Kiffin is still there. Uh, Louis says, tell Haydad that Notre Dame came to Ole Miss in 1977 and lost. So you know that. Actually, came to Jackson, but... I said they came to Jackson. They didn't come to Ole Miss. Yep. <laughs> See, I knew uh, that, Louis. Yeah. Uh, Gentle Ben has passed away. Ben Williams, who is one of two uh, athletes who is... Um, credited with having broken the color barrier at Ole Miss, passed away. Uh, from natural causes in Jackson. We'll talk more about that as we go through the show this uh, this afternoon. Hal in Starkville says that Lane will be long gone by then, one way or another. And I guess that's it for now. We'll get to uh, some of your other texts as we continue through the uh, the show this afternoon. Borky, I mentioned at the beginning that Got some pretty intriguing news from different parts of the country uh, today. Gavin Newsom, the governor of the state of California, says that uh, sports activities, professional sports activities, can begin, if I read that correctly, on or around June 1st. That feels like a little bit of an about-face. Funny how that works, huh? Yeah. It's like when things get real and the economic disasters start showing their face, you might realize that your rhetoric has been also dangerous. Funny how that works. Not only do you get that proclamation from the state of California, you get that proclamation in the state of Texas, which is not a surprise to anyone, and maybe most surprising of all, from Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York. So governors from New York, California, and Texas said earlier today that professional sports could resume in their respective states in the near future. All major sports have been shut down since March for obvious reasons. Andrew Cuomo said he is now encouraging major sports teams in the state to plan on reopening, but without fans. Hockey, basketball, baseball, football, Whoever can reopen, we're a ready, willing, and able partner, Andrew Cuomo said during his daily conference earlier today. He went on to say, I think this is in the best interest of all the people and the best interest of the state of New York. 
Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, said uh, a little bit later after Andrew Cuomo's press conference that sports could resume without fans in his state as soon as the, quote, first week or so of June without spectators and with modification and very prescriptive conditions, which, by the way, is happening everywhere. Also, Texas Governor Greg Abbott said fans, uh, sports could return without fans at the end of May. Andrew Cuomo, by the way, says, personal disclosure, I want to watch the Buffalo Bills. Well, thanks for that. Better than the other two teams in his state, but, you know. Yeah. Um... Or so wait, progress. does he count the, the Jets or the Giants? Is, do you think the reason he singled out the Bills is because the New York Jets and the New York Giants don't play in New York? Oh, I don't know. Maybe he's just a Bills fan. I mean, the state capital of New York is, is closer to Buffalo, I think, than it is to New York City so, or to New yeah. Jersey. Albany, lovely Albany, New York. I, I'll take your word for it. Never been. Yeah, nor have I. Just assuming. <laughs> Just making that assumption. Um, this has got to be viewed as a positive. Look, I mean, from, from, from our perspective with where we are, the announcements of you know Mississippi, Arkansas, Tennessee, Georgia opening for business, those are all good things and maybe have more of an impact on us than some of the other states. But when California, Texas, and New York say professional sports can begin, obviously there are going to be some modifications. It's going to start without fans, but they can begin in our states. We're not shipping our teams off to other places. I guess the swamp is no longer going to be necessary to host a California team because they don't have a place to play. I I would assume that you have some very, very wealthy and influential both business owners, team owners, and politicians who got in the ear of those governors and said, look, we don't need to send our professional sports teams and the tax base that they represent to other parts of the country. Sports are going to open with or without us, and our teams are going to play. We need them to play in our states. Doesn't that have to factor into this at some level? Oh, for you sure. Have to think, you have to think so. Yeah, you think that, especially when the other states like Florida were so quick to say, "Hey, if you can't go, we'll take you, and you know, we'll take the money that comes with you." Yeah, you know, I've been saying that all along. Money is what's driving all of these decisions. At the end of the day, I know there's a lot of public health concern, but I think money is what's driving these things. And those states weren't going to let a billion dollars in taxable income just walk out the door for no reason. And I imagine also, I saw a report this morning, Florida, Georgia, Colorado uh, all reopened or started reopening many weeks ago and have not seen an increase, uh, any kind of spike. And maybe now they're confident that they should should and can push forward uh, without seeing a spike themselves because, I mean, Florida's a heavy populated state. Uh, Georgia, relatively heavily populated state with a big metro area inside of it. Same goes for Colorado. And if they're not seeing any spikes after reopening, maybe they should too. Let me ask you this. If on the 18th of May, just a week after the governor of California says, yeah, basically the state's going to be shut down through the end of July, we get an about face that says in the first week or so of June, 
professional sports can reopen in our state? Does this give you more confidence that by the first week of September, or at least by the end of September, we're going to have fans inside stadiums? Does that give you any more confidence that, that not only will we get sports back on the schedule that we expect them to be back in the fall, but they're going to feel closer to normal than maybe anyone would have imagined just a few weeks ago? Yeah. I saw yesterday we are 16 weeks away from opening Sunday of NFL football. 16 weeks. Now think about... Uh, Which means you're 15 weeks away from the first full Saturday of the college football right. season. Right. And we are, what, seven, eight, nine weeks into this real outbreak in America? And think about, as you mentioned on Friday, how much has changed from Rudy Gobert test positive to now? And so what do you think is going to change between now and 16 weeks from now? And... The beauty of the the fan part of it is nobody has to make any call until, like, game week. We can wait this thing out as far as fans in the stands goes for football up until a few days before the game, for the most part. I mean, you've got a plan for both. I do think it's difficult from a season ticket standpoint. Oh, sure. I mean, there are are hurdles to jump, but if you – They've got time, I guess is what I'm trying to say. A lot of time. More than, I guess, we realize. Because you, you've got to start training camps in the summer, of course. But you can, as we saw in Germany this weekend, you can play a football a game with 22 people on the field without fans, and it works, and it functions, and the guys played hard, and everything went off without a hitch. So you can do that. But you've got 16 weeks to figure out how to get people inside to watch them. That's plenty of time. I agree. And I guess that's kind of the reason that I asked the question as well. I mean, I, I'm not really of the belief, and, and you guys tell me if you think I'm crazy for saying this. I'm, I don't think you will. I'm not really of the belief that they're going to be somewhere between forty-five and 70,000 people in NRG Stadium on Sunday night of Labor Day weekend for Ole Miss and Baylor. I don't think it's going to look like that, but I don't think it's going to be a 70,000-seat empty cave when they play the season opener either. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll take a quick time out and be back. All right, Borky, we need a poll question. Poll question, which live sporting event did you watch most of this weekend? We had Bundesliga soccer, you had the golf match, which was pretty entertaining, and also the NASCAR race. Okay. Hey, Dad. Answer the question. I watched the Bundesliga. Borussia Dortmund. Borussia! Yes, they won... uh... I think it was 3 0. Maybe 4 0. I don't remember. A lot, a lot of scoring, Rippy. Sounds like a regular old shootout. Yeah, and it, it was kind of one sided, it sounds like to me. <laughs> yeah, it's something to watch a uh, 80,000 seat stadium basically empty. It was mm. it was a little weird, but I, and it was it was cool that you could hear you hear how much those guys are talking on the pitch and how much you know instruction they're getting that you can't normally hear, obviously. So it was a, an interesting viewing experience, but it was fun to watch. Correct me if I'm wrong, if this is a crazy take or not, but if you're going to allow 22 guys to be on a field at one time, 
And soccer's not football. Like, they're not tackling each other. But it's still a sport in which you are running, sweating, and coming into contact with your opponent. You do that for 90-plus minutes, but after you score, you can't high-five each other? That, that seems like for optics only and not for actual safety. Like, if it's not safe enough to high-five, you probably shouldn't be playing the game. I mean, I guess it's just a, a risk management. They're like, look, we, we want to play the games, but this is one area we can remove a, a percentage point of risk. I don't know. Hmm. That seems dumb. I'm with you. Whatever. Uh... Although, I mean, do you really need to high-five? Do you need a hug after a goal? I mean, come on. Well, soccer takes it to the next level uh, as far as yeah, goal celebration. Borky, what'd you watch the most of? Golf, soccer, NASCAR? Uh, it depends on what you call watching. I had the race on the longest, but that's because I fell asleep. I watched the most golf. Okay. Like, like actually watched it. Rippy? Uh, golf, because that's the only thing I watched. I, I just got to admit something for a second. Despite, you know, semi-good intentions otherwise, I did not watch one swing live of the golf. I've gone back and watched some of it on replay, and I listened to some of it on the radio. I did not watch one dribble of the soccer ball in the Bundesliga. Although I was with some friends on Saturday night and there was uh, an L.A. Galaxy, LAFC re-air that was happening. Looked like a pretty cool atmosphere with a bunch of fans there. Good good match as well. And I did not uh, watch one lap around the track in NASCAR. Not because I'm not happy that those things are back. It just kind of ended up not happening from a, a schedule standpoint. It was like there's a lot of family time yesterday, a lot of work in the yard yesterday. Fired up the grill last night and uh, just kind of didn't happen. I did, however, stay up really late because I had to watch the final two episodes of The Last Dance. I got started on that about 10.30 or so, so I had to play catch-up. And then uh, got season, what, episode three of Billions knocked out as well. That was the commitment that I made. I was not going to sleep last night until I watched episodes nine and ten of The Last Dance and episode three of uh, season five of Billions. So... That's all I, all I got out of that. What did you think of the last dance last night, Hayden? I thought it was great. I, I appreciate Michael Jordan uh, summing up the way I feel about Larry Bird there in the opening moments <laughs> of, the, uh, of the show. And, and you know, they did a, they put a really nice bow on it. I was totally pumped to see the, uh, the wrestling stuff. I didn't know if they'd get to that or not. And I had completely forgotten that Rodman showed up on Monday Nitro with, uh, with, during the finals. Um so, but all in all, it was great. I enjoyed every minute of it. I enjoyed watching it. I feel like I learned a lot. Uh, and if they if they've got, they want to do any more documentaries like that on any other teams, I will probably watch them. Just being completely honest, I got a little bored with episode nine. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that was like just that little window where I was kind of fighting sleep a little bit, and it's like. I think I blinked and it went from, you know, there was 10 minutes left in it to the closing credits were running. But I was completely locked in on episode 10. And Steve Kerr? Yeah. I don't I didn't care know how that. you feel about him politically, but what an incredibly likable guy. And didn't he's know had a about tough road, that story. Man. Yeah. I didn't know that story. 
the the story, if you haven't watched it, is that uh, Steve Kerr's father, who had uh, been a professor at UCLA, had taken on the presidentship at American University in Beirut and was killed by two gunmen who were posing as students. Like, got off the elevator and was shot in the head. Which, and that was when Steve Kerr was a freshman at the University of Arizona. And he got the call at 3 o'clock in the morning in his dorm room from a family friend that said, I've got terrible news. And the next day, I mean, I don't know if it was that same day or the next day, he went back to practice. And kind of his coping mechanism, and his mother talked about this in the episode as well, that, that his coping mechanism, she said, you know, people deal with tragic events in their lives in different ways. And the way that Steve dealt with it is he threw himself even deeper into basketball than he ever had before. And for whatever it's worth, I mean, I, I don't care about people in sports politics one way or the other. I, it doesn't bother me, but it, it does justify some of his political leanings. Maybe it makes it easier to swallow. If he bothers you, maybe that knowing that story will soften that a little bit because he comes from a position of unfortunate experience. The athletic yeah. wrote about that in detail a couple of years ago, um, but yeah, he's he's an interesting guy. The uh, the black Jesus comment from Jordan that he referred to himself as black Jesus to Reggie hilarious Miller to Reggie Miller that was hilarious. I think and that's why the thing was sort of go ahead, go ahead. Oh, him just casually calling Larry Bird a B word, and telling him to f off and work on his golf game because he just eliminated him is was an all time great scene. <laughs> I I laughed so loud when that happened. I think part of the reason you might have thought it was boring, and and uh, my buddy Brandon Walker talked about this on Twitter, is they tried to make it like the Pacers and Reggie Miller were like this worthy adversary to the Bulls. I mean, no. That, that was, well, I mean, it I mean, was I, the only other time they got pushed to a seven game. I, I get that, but still, I mean, I, I didn't. Dude, I, Market I had trouble. Square Arena, the the old hey. home of the Indiana Pacers, that place, that and the Delta Center in Utah. Work. Tough environments, no doubt. Unbelievable home court advantages. I, I just don't. I just don't see. I don't have Reggie Miller on the same level as I did Carl Malone and those and the the Pistons and and, and those teams like that. I just don't. Uh by the way, the um, the the lady, the nice looking lady who was an Indiana Pacers fan who had some choice words for the Bulls from her second or third row seats, uh, apparently. Uh, is indeed a nice lady. Dan Dockich had her uh, on his show in Indianapolis earlier today. This uh, this one because when I saw that, I thought, "Hmm, wonder if she's going to see that and be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that made the error.' If she will wear that like a badge of honor, uh, I'm sure there are Pacers fans who appreciate the attitude that she had toward the uh, nemesis Chicago Bulls. She was. I was impressed. Potty mouth. Yeah. Potty mouth. She and I would get along great. Reggie Miller was really, really good. Really good. And did, did you like um, Jalen Rose kind of ticking off all the reasons that uh, the Pacers were good enough to uh, beat the Bulls because of yes. personnel-wise who they have? Yeah, which I, I didn't buy into. So. Yeah, I mean, good players. You know who they didn't have, yeah. though? Michael Jordan. Yeah, they, they were sans Michael Jordan, which uh, made it a bit of a mismatch. Yeah. How I also the, enjoyed, uh, how about, I, I enjoyed Jerry ahead. Sloan's uh, commentary 
after like the play, like the one where after the blowout in game three. Was that really the score? I thought that was funny. Yeah. They ask him about uh, the flu game, which yeah. turns oh. out was a food poisoning game. He goes, "Wait, he was sick." Yeah. Did 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 you guys which is all 100% know about not that? True. What's not true? That Jerry Sloan did not know Michael Jordan was sick at any point until that press conference. That is just silly. He's the head coach of the Utah Jazz in the NBA Finals, and he didn't know until after the game at all that Jordan was sick. You could visually, oh, like, you could see it. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I got also, I've always, from nope. everything I've read about it, you knew it wasn't actually the flu game. You knew it was food poisoning, but then they just dropped that nugget about the pizza in there, and it was like, wait a minute, these guys poisoned a pizza? Like, I would like to know more about this. Yeah, What? so what do you think? How do you poison a pizza? Uh, There's only a few ingredients. If only we had an expert in pizza. So, hey, Dad, seriously, so can you, like, on accident, make a pizza that can get somebody sick? On accident, for sure. You know, you could just be an unsanitary restaurant. That has you know meat sitting out at bad temperatures, but you can also do it anchovies. deliberately too. Yeah, you See, can do it that, deliberately too. That's my my question: Is do you think these five guys somehow knew it was Jordan and if somehow they knew it was did Jordan, something to the pizza? Possibly. How are five uh, guys delivering it? See, because they knew it was Jordan. And that's the next question: Is why do they know it was Jordan? Who knows why they used his real name? They probably knew it was the team hotel and sort of went from there. Just assumed it was a bull and wanted to meet whoever it was. Quick timeout. More with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. the weekend winners and losers that's how we will begin the four o'clock hour so start thinking about yours you can text them to us on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395 what did you find this weekend to go into the winner category what about the loser category we'll give you ours and we want yours as well i don't i'm only i'm not saying this to make people feel bad or to make us feel bad or whatever it's just i can't stop thinking about it this would have been the only show this week, the only edition of Sports Talk Mississippi, that in a different world, at a different time, would have originated from the state of Mississippi. Starting tomorrow and running through Friday, we would have been coming to you live from Hoover, Alabama, for the SEC baseball tournament. That makes me sad. Are you guys sad as well? You still owe me a steak, Cross, so yeah, I'm, I'm sad that I'm not going to get that anytime soon. Do I? Yeah. What bet is that for that I lost? Uh, something to do with somebody would have a certain number of pass attempts. It's Kentucky Vanderbilt, I think, something like that, or passing yards. I was going to say, know. if you can't tell me exactly what the bet is I can find and how it. I lost it, I'm I'll not sure it. I still owe it. Now, now I'm going to go looking for it. Yeah, I'm sure you will. I, I, I seem to remember something about that. You yeah. you took the under and I took the over and turned out the under hit and Of course it is. So there's there's a stake. So uh SEC football media days, July in Atlanta. Do you think it happens or no? Nope. I don't I don't think we'll be there. I think we'll have there'll be some sort of virtual uh, thing. 
Which kind of sounds miserable, to be honest. I love SEC Media Days. And I know you've got a gazillion people out there, a gazillion miserable sports writers who love to complain about it because the thing that they do better than anything else is complain. Uh, but I'm not one of the complainers with regard to SEC Media Days. I love it. And I'm bummed because I don't think it's going to happen either. And no, virtual we'll be- SEC Media Days sounds just ridiculous. Yeah, we'll be getting some sort of Zoom calls and everything else. I, I do hope – we talked about this on, on the Thunder and Lightning podcast a couple weeks ago. I just hope that they make the coaches and, and, and things available beyond just the, the, the press conferences they want to do because that's part of you know our job over there is we get to talk to all those guys and get them on the show. You know, are we still? Are they still going to say, okay, you still have to carve out, you know, like a radio row hour or whatever, where you can talk to people? Because we, you know, our listeners want to hear what Keach, Keach and Liffin, <laughs> Leach and yes. Liffin have to say. <laughs> That's yeah. way better, Keach and Liffin. It sounds like a '70s cop show. It's uh, very Chips Patrol or Cheech and Chong. <laughs> Did you watch Chips growing up? Who didn't watch Chips growing up was a better question. Of course I watched Chips. Well, I, my guess is that there, t- two of the four of us did not. It wasn't available then. I mean, if you're talking about if it was available to you. Yeah. Who's your favorite character on Chips? Ponch. How is this even a question? No, no, it's the, that's the only right answer. I just didn't yeah. know if you'd have another one. No, no. Borky, you have no idea what we're talking about, do you? Not even the slightest clue. Okay. There was a... California Highway Patrol show that featured these two motorcycle cops back in the days when they were, you know, it was, you know, black leather boots to the knees, riding the big Harleys and all the adventures that uh, that went along with it. And it was great. Really made you want to ride a motorcycle. Oh, yeah. You ever toy with the idea of getting a motorcycle, hey Dad? No, a friend of mine has one, and and I, I'm just, I'm just, it's just not for me. Have you ever ridden on it? No, no. I assume that means you also haven't driven it. Correct. You're you're answering those as one and the same. I, yeah, I yeah. didn't see you like buddying up with him and riding in the riding on the back. back seat. Yeah, no, he didn't have a sidecar either, so. Borky, you're a rippy motorcycle guys? Ever been? Oh, I've been on them, especially dirt bikes when I was a kid. Um, but not lately, no. Never been on one, I don't think. Yeah. I was so close to buying a motorcycle at one point. I had a friend who had one that was used, but it was very lightly used. I think his wife had bought it for him five or six years earlier. And the price was right. Jane and I had just gotten married and had just moved back to Oxford, and she was kind of like... Yeah, I mean, if you really want it, which I, I guess to my credit, you know, about a year into marriage, maybe two at that point, I was smart enough to uh, realize that I'm not sure that that was a glowing endorsement of this particular purchase. And I think it probably had more than anything to do with our financial situation at the time. It was like, okay, we just bought our first house. Do I really need to spend $5,000 on a motorcycle? Probably not. Go back and do it all over again. I probably would have bought the motorcycle. I don't know how much I would have used it, though. 
Those are fun for a while. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Winners and losers to start the 4 o'clock hour when we come back with you on this Monday on Sports Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being... Thanks for being with us. Beautiful Monday. Glad to have you along for the ride. Uh, you can text the show on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. Equip your organization for simple, successful business continuity with a work-from-anywhere toolkit from C Spire Business featuring powerful resources like you. C1 and Office 365. You can uh, learn more today online at cspire.com slash business. Uh, This is a huge part of the show during the year in which there are games. It feels a little bit different right now, but that's okay. It's still time for winners and losers. All I do is win. All right, you can text your winners and losers to us. C Spire text line 601-879-4395. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? Borky, you want to lead off today? Give me a winner. Yeah, sure, NASCAR, although I fell asleep during the race because, uh, as with everything, to each their own. I'm sure there are NASCAR fans listening. Not my thing. I just fell asleep during it. I tried to watch it. However, in spite of that, up almost 40% uh, ratings-wise from the race that happened before the outbreak. So the most recent race before the outbreak, up 38%, over 6 million people uh, watched the race yesterday, so a really good move to come back and start, and apparently a really entertaining race, and they're reaping the benefits for it. What was it, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who didn't make it a full lap before crashing? Yeah, Tough way to start. Fun. Yeah, don't you know that's a bummer? Because, you know, you've been sitting out for a couple of months. Everybody's excited about getting back. You barely have the time to uh, get the car up to, you know... 150, 160 miles an hour, however fast they were going. I'm sure it was faster than that. And uh, then, boom, it's game over. Uh, How about a winner, Rippy? I guess Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy for technically winning the Skins thing. I thought it was fairly compelling television. Uh, I like the whole wedge, uh, 120-yard wedge closest to the pin to decide the tiebreaker at the end. Uh, Overall, pretty good production. I know people complained about Bill Murray and... Trump and all of that, but like I just don't. I'm not in the camp of complaining about live sports in the middle of a pandemic. Thought they did a pretty good job. Uh, so winner, whatever that was. Does the fact that from Thursday night in Ponte Vedra, when the players was unceremoniously ended, until May 10th, that Dustin Johnson did not pick up a golf club. So one week before he's playing a nationally televised charity match at Seminole, 
he goes two solid months without even picking up a golf club, even though that uh, golf is his chosen profession. Uh, does that make him a winner or a loser? That he didn't play golf during that time? I don't know. He can do whatever he wants. Sure, winner. Yeah. Does that make you more of a boss? <laughs> whatever. I'm good enough. This game was a little rusty, wasn't it? Yeah, he didn't play well for most of the time. Yeah. Ricky Fowler really was the best player out of that group yesterday. Yeah, I think he I and thought. Rory probably carried their team a little bit. But, uh, I mean, Dustin struggled but hit the most important shot on 18. So, Yeah. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. Michael Jordan. I think that this documentary added a, another layer to him. And, and okay. I think that it gave you more uh, uh, insight into him, obviously. And I think people needed that. And I think even though Jordan has a ton of respect, and I think most people, uh, even Michael Borky, who according to you know the text line, people don't want to believe this, but Michael Borky will tell you the greatest player of all time, Michael Jordan. But I think he, he, he elevated himself with this, with this documentary. I think people now think even more of Michael Jordan, if that is possible. Yeah, he was worried about people thinking that he was going to be a jerk going into it, so he gave a warning. That's not what the takeaway was. No. It kind of humanized him a little bit, didn't it? Yeah. But at the same time, it 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 showed why he was such a, a tremendous competitor. You know, you really the the, the filmmakers. Maybe the winner should be the filmmakers because they 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 did a good job. This was a really good documentary. Does it have flaws? Yes, everything does. But it is start to finish compelling television, and I really enjoyed it. And I'm not well, the you, biggest. You talk about. Go ahead, Borky. I'm not the biggest documentary watcher, so maybe this is a common strategy. I haven't seen it yet. The subject of the documentary got to see everything that everybody else said about him before he reacted to it. So he got to hold an iPad with video and and, and react to it. I've never seen that in a documentary before where the subject of it got interviewed last and then got to react to everybody else's comments about him. I thought that was an awesome touch. Yeah, last night when they had him watch live, Jerry Reinsdorf's comments about why the team had to be broken up, the reaction, pretty priceless on that. Yeah, and then it really was. some of the things that he heard others say about him uh, along the way, um, pretty, uh, pretty good stuff. Here's a winner from the Korean Baseball Organization. It is not the team that Haydad picked, the Lottie Giants, or the team that uh, I picked, Doosan, or Rippy's Kaiwoom Heroes, or Borky's Hanwha Eagles. Uh, by the way, the Eagles, the only team out of the teams that we picked that are below 500, so Borky keeps on picking winners. How about the NC Dinos? What a start to the year for them. They're 10 and 1 to uh, start the season today, an off day. Uh, so you'll have to wait up until midnight tonight or 5 o'clock in the morning or whenever it is that they come on if you want to watch uh, KBO. I I am I'm just being honest. I think maybe if my Doosan Bears hat had arrived a little bit sooner, it still hasn't come. I ordered it two weeks ago. I'm not sure what kind of a shipping operation that uh, they're running at wherever it is that I ordered that thing, but I need a hat. Kind of losing some steam on the whole Korean Baseball League thing. Glad it's there. 
good enough if you really need it, but uh, I'm not sure how long I can continue to feign excitement <laughs> over Korean baseball. Although the baseball's been entertaining enough, I suppose. I suppose. The time is also not on their side. That's a good point. That is a, uh, a good It'd point. It'd be different I, if you I, could I, leave the studio, put the kids to bed, and flip it on, you know? Yeah, if if that were on live when I was going to bed at night, I probably would fall asleep to that, as opposed to, you know, a rerun of Florida-Georgia 2019 or, you know, golf's greatest games or, you know, whatever happens to be on at the, uh, at the time. Um, what about a loser? Anybody got a loser from the weekend? The NFL, and um, I'm sure we'll talk about it in greater detail later, but after the great quarantine season, if you want to call it that, they've had with pushing forward in free agency and then great stories that came out of that, and then they pushed forward with the draft, and then they pushed forward with the schedule release, and everybody was all in on the NFL, and uh, their approval rating, if you will, was at an all-time high. Mm -hmm. And then you have four players arrested, three of which for violent crimes. The other one had an unregistered firearm on him. And then this story about incentivizing hires based on race by handing out draft picks to teams. And that was universally hated by pretty much every stakeholder uh, at the NFL. So you go from an all-time high to players getting arrested for violent crimes and then proposing uh, what is, by all accounts, a ridiculous and insulting idea. I can appreciate the idea of... Or, 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 oh, no, let me back up. I can appreciate what the NFL is trying to accomplish in that they are trying to create more diversity in their game. They're trying to create opportunities that maybe have traditionally not been there for African-American coaches. But to me, there are two things that have got to be at play here. Number one... You're saying to teams, we don't really care about you hiring the right person. We just care about you hiring a minority. Period. And for some, that's okay, I suppose. But that kind of goes against the spirit of everything that competitive sports is about. And number two, the idea that you are going to create this incentive by giving a draft pick to, to someone in that scenario, meh. It's, it's not a good look. No. And there's no way it passes tomorrow. I can't, I can't imagine 24 owners out of the 32 are going to vote in favor of that. But the commissioner is reportedly in favor of it, which is a problem in and of itself. Well, and I, I saw some um, some comments on this that said there are actually some really good things in terms of diversity and enhancing the number of opportunities for minorities in the NFL. They're just getting overshadowed by this stupid rule. Yeah, so I got a loser for you. Remember when we credited the University of South Carolina for coming out strongly about, maybe the strongest of anybody in the SEC so far, about not only are we returning to campus, we're going to have classes as normal. You remember that just uh, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, slightly changed it a little bit, didn't it? Well, they're still going to do that. But they're also going to do this. Letter from the uh, university president who signs it forever to thee, Bob Caslin. Just for what that's worth. 
2020 fall academic calendar. Two major changes will stand out as you review the following schedule. This is a letter to students, faculty, and staff. There will be no fall break. And second, we will conclude face-to-face instruction at Thanksgiving break. Face-to-face instruction at Thanksgiving break. So classes begin August 20th. Labor Day will include classes, just not in a classroom. A remote class day. October 15th and 16th, fall break has been canceled. Classes will be held those two days. Although, I mean, it's just two days. Whatever, it's a long weekend. November 3rd, which is Election Day, General Election Day will be a remote class day. November 24th, that's the day they go into Thanksgiving break. Face-to-face instruction will end. So everybody goes home for Thanksgiving break for a week. They will have two days of remote class, three days of reading days, which I guess that means study time, and then final exams December 7th through the 14th. Number one, why are you doing this? And number two, why are you announcing this on May 18th? Well, is it not just a contingency plan for like getting people off campus during like when flu season starts? Like, I don't see that as very unreasonable. You're yeah, basically eliminating a... a week of school. You come back after Thanksgiving for a week, and then you have exams, and it's done. Yeah, I, I'm not seeing why this goes on the loser list here. You're predicting a fall, late fall, early winter outbreak, and putting plans in place for that now. I, I just it doesn't make sense to me. Well, I mean, why yeah, I mean, six months out do you go, yeah, we're scared of what might happen, so we're going to completely alter the academic calendar. And I know it's only you're only altering a couple of weeks. You're taking two weeks away on campus. Uh, just for me, I don't see this as that big a deal. Well, you can have your losers list, and I'll have mine. My losers Richard Cross. Well, wouldn't the fear-mongering response be just canceling classes, not having online instruction? It seems like they're just moving it around so if there is like a second wave, like, hey, we're not, you know, congregating for class or whatever. I mean, it probably won't end up making a difference, but at least it's not like an extreme measure and allows you to pretty much operate on a normal semester. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe I'm being persuaded. I just, it just hit me as, why are we doing this six-month outside? I mean, maybe they're convinced that students are going to go home for fall break and they're all going to get sick, and then they're going to come back, and then they're going to create this, you know. My my question. What, what be, about though, them coming back for the spring semester, though? That's what I. That's what I, that was going to be my question. What is the? What does it mean for the spring semester? Are you going to go ahead and cancel the spring semester now because we're going to have twenty five thousand students going home for two months, and then they're going to come back. And and. Look, I mean, I, I hate to keep beating this drum. You'll forgive me for doing it. it, it I mean, there's a kind of a self-interest thing here. But I think a lot of people don't think about this. And, and maybe Columbia, South Carolina is a little bit different because of the size of the city. But two weeks with no students in a college town is a significant impact on the local economy. And it just it, look, look at Ole Miss for an example. I mean, it's where I live, and it, you know, obviously... 
So, right now, students finish fall classes December 10th-ish. Is that about right, Rippy? Usually go to school the first week of December and then exams and then everybody goes home. Yeah, I mean, that sounds Roughly. generally right. Like, you come back from Thanksgiving break, you have one week of classes, and then you have exams, and then everybody goes home. So wherever it falls on the calendar. So you're looking at about 15 to 20 days in December. And with Ole Miss, because of the whole winter session thing, students don't come back until, like, the third week of January. So you're already you're saying to you know, local businesses, hey, we're good with seven weeks with no... That stuff matters. It matters to businesses. It matters to the local economy. But that's a little personal soapbox. Ceasefire text line 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395 for your winners and losers. Tim and McGee says losers, motorcycles equal organ donors. Okay. Talking about motorcycles with a friend of mine last night. It's an orthopedic surgeon. He said, "You ever get into motorcycles?" And then I said, "Oh wait, I forgot about what you do for a living." It's like motorcycles are job security for you, probably not your chosen leisure activity. Said, yeah, never really went down that road. Um, any other winners and losers on here that have uh, been submitted that I missed, Borky? Oh, there's loser, Borky. He gave out the number to call in on Sports Sunday. Oh, is this your buddy? Let's not give him a platform. Okay, sorry. <laughs> this guy is the worst texter of all time. It, it's not great. Wish I had as much free time. Yeah. Fair enough. Sorry, I just... just there was somebody that was going to classify you as a loser, and I wanted to read why, Borky, and then I realized what it was. It's like, oh, yeah, it's really not all that funny. <laughs> Sorry. As you laugh. It's more no, I was laughing at my idea for whatever reason it was that somebody was going to call Borky a loser. Hey, we should read that so we can all get a chuckle, and then I realized it wasn't funny, so now I'm chuckling at the idea instead of the actual text. I would have done the same thing if it had been about me. Let's put that to the test. People, talk, call Richard a loser on the text line. See yeah, just happens. give a funny reason why. I'm happy to read it. Borky didn't like that. Yeah. He's mad at me now. No. Not at all. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh. Couldn't be. Hey, Couldn't anything buy. else for you guys, winners or losers from the weekend that you saw that stands out for you? Yeah, uh, from, the, from the same cut as my, uh, my winner. You find out that Byron Russell and Carl Malone both declined to be interviewed. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, I know it still probably hurts, but get your say in. I don't understand why they, they, they didn't want to talk. Because Carl Malone is just doing his deal. Oh, I mean, I know, but still. I guess on the other side of that, the, uh, the crew that put this on, because this is not easy and it was not completely done. I mean, they had to work on episodes 9 and 10 during a pandemic to finish this, to put this on by the time frame that they wanted to get it out once this thing hit. And, like, I don't know. Episodes 9 and 10 didn't feel rushed at all to me, and they most definitely were. I thought the whole thing was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, what was it? They were, they were finishing up episode 9, 
at the time that episodes five and six during that week were airing, and then the following week they finished up episode ten while episodes seven and eight were on the air. And, That's and pretty given, crazy. given how many people were watching it and how high the stakes were for ESPN on this and telling this story the right way, I mean, you want to talk about pressure. Whew. Yeah, Jason, how do you say his last name? Is it Hare? The uh, director of this did a phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. Do the Seahawks fall into a loser category? Uh, in 2018... Instead of giving Russell Wilson that massive contract, Seattle Seahawks explored the idea of actually trading him. Per a source with knowledge of the situation, the Browns contend that the idea was floated conceptually, but the discussion did indeed happen. The Seahawks were staring at another extension for Wilson, one that would result a year later in a contract with a new money value of $35 million per year, and the placement of a no-trade clause in the latest contract uh, was influenced by chatter regarding the potential trade to Cleveland. That is from ProFootballTalk.com. Can you imagine the idea of no Russell Wilson in Seattle? What is it, yeah, Jerry Krause running the show there? Yeah, it's hard to comprehend. Browns would have made the playoffs last year. Maybe. You're giving them a lot of credit, Borky. Man, he put that team on his back last year. No weapons. His, his best weapon was a rookie. Not a great offensive line. Made the playoffs somehow anyway. That that was one of the more impressive individual seasons at that position I've seen in a while, just considering what was around him. They were a yard away from the division. A yard away. In the game against the 49ers? Yep. yep. At the end? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, those are your winners and losers on this Monday. We'll be right back. We are loosely counting down to the start of the college football season. Today's team is team number 110. It is uh, Kent State. But frankly, I'm not very interested in the golden flashes, and so if Kent State is your alma mater, my apologies. You are welcome to read up uh, all on the World Wide Web about your football team. However... Team number 111, which would have been yesterday's team, is a little more interesting. So let's keep the countdown going. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, Making a little bit of an adjustment, it's more like 100-plus teams in 100-plus days. Team number 111. I'll be interested to see what fight song is played or what song. Oh, just a normal fight song. Didn't have enough the time to Liberty call it audible. Flames. That's their fight song? Yeah. Probably would have been like Girls, Girls, Girls or something. Oh. <laughs> that would have been... Uh, better than the one I suggested. I honestly, when I saw the rundown, and I thought, man, if it was Liberty today, I was, I was like, I will pay you twenty bucks to play Roxanne or or something along those lines. But Roxanne, Richard pulling a swerve saved saved me that money. <laughs> mm. 
Thought about a little mm. Carrie. Richard suggested a little Carrie Underwood. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know which. Oh, actually, there are two different ones that probably would have fit. Oh, there are. I've got one in the system, too. Should probably to do avoid with that. Louisville Slugger and Four Wheel Drive? Is that the one you're talking That's about? That's the one I'm talking about, yeah. I put it in the day we were talking about the Astros scandal, and I played it on an outro. I, I was pretty proud of myself. Well, I dug my key. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> um, Liberty. Let's talk about Liberty from a football standpoint. Is Liberty going 9-3 and three this year? Is the question. You're number one under Hugh Freeze. Uh, Post-Turner Gill. They go 8-5, and five, and they win their first bowl game in school history. Last year, Liberty, for the very first time, was eligible to play in a bowl. They began their transition to FBS Independent in 2017. So 2017 and 2018, they played as an FBS team, but were not eligible for the postseason. Last year was the first year in which they were eligible to play in the postseason, and they did just that. They won enough games. Seven and five in the regular season, and they uh, they won their bowl game to get to eight and five. Hey, look, you know this about Hugh Freeze; he's a good football coach, and they're going to win games. They're especially going to win games at a place like Liberty because he's going to be playing a schedule that is favorable. And one thing we know, really, with a great deal of certainty, is against better teams, Hugh Freeze's teams are going to win. He may drop some along the way. There's probably a game or two that they're supposed to win that they won't somewhere along the way. But this is a level of competition where Hugh Freeze is likely to have a lot of success. They beat Georgia Southern 23-16. to So my question, are they going 9-3 and this year? And then i got a follow-up question. Here's the schedule. Virginia Tech on the road in Week 1. Probably a loss. Personnel-wise, they're just not going to match up there. Not to say they can't pull off an upset, but... The personnel for those two teams shouldn't be comparable. North Carolina A&T, that's a win. At Western Kentucky, probably a win. Maybe a toss-up game, but I'd lean in the direction of win. FIU at home. That's Miami's best team. (laughs) Yeah. As Rippy says, spot the lie there. Uh, so Butch Davis against Hugh Freeze? Yeah. Is Butch Davis' son still on his staff at FIU? Who was a walk-on quarterback under uh, Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss? I saw Butch Davis after an Egg Bowl one time, just walking back to the square. Just ran into Butch Davis. That was a that was a heck of a chance meeting. Did you guys have a nice conversation? We did talk. We were like, I asked him what he was doing here, and he told me, and said, I'm always a, a big fan of yours because I love those Miami teams back in the day. And it was nice. There you go. Uh, they go to Bowling Green. They host Louisiana Monroe. They go to Syracuse on October 17th. Host Southern Miss on October 24th. Got to make the trip to East Hartford, Connecticut on Halloween to play UConn. Game at home against Western Carolina. They will play NC State in Raleigh in the next-to-last weekend of the regular season. And then we'll close out the year against UMass. Uh, by the way, this does end a string of seasons uh, where Liberty is not playing New Mexico State, not once, but twice. For each of the last two years, they have played New Mexico State twice 
in the regular season, that whole being an independent and trying to get a game uh, get game scheduled can be uh, can be difficult sometimes. So with that schedule, you, you give them a loss to Virginia Tech, you give them a loss to Syracuse, you give them a loss to NC State. Are they going nine and three otherwise? They still have that quarterback with a goofy name, Buckshot Calvert. Yeah. What creative way is he going to get national attention uh, this year? Coaching a game from a bouncy castle in the end zone? Wait, is that pop? Sorry. (laughs) Not likely. Uh, Let's see. I don't think Calvert is still on this team. I think he was a senior last year. Not 100% sure of you'll, that. But. You'll be able to watch their game at UConn. They struck up a new deal with CBS Sports Network. So in case you're jonesing for some Liberty UConn football on Halloween night, there you go. Mm. Um, so is that you, – you have to assume that that program is going to continue to grow. I, I don't know how long Hugh Freeze will be the coach there. I mean, maybe it's a, a good spot for him, and he likes what they're doing, and they're progressing as a team, and the right opportunity is not out there to move. And and so maybe he's there. Do you think he will still be the coach at Liberty in 2021? If he wins nine games, no. Uh, somebody will take a shot on him. He's too good of a football coach uh, for you to not. Uh, the further you get separated from the scandal, the less people are going to care. And I mean, by and large, people don't really care all that much anyway. I, I would like to think the public really understands that football coaches um, aren't always good people and, and they do bad things. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't hire them. I know it's higher education and building young men and stuff, but it's really all about winning. I mean, who would you rather have coach your football team, Urban Meyer or Mark Richt? One's a much better person than the other. One will win you some football games. One will win you titles. You'd rather have Urban Meyer. Hugh Freeze, I know he hasn't won a championship, but at some point if you're, I don't know, a, a Wake Forest or a program like that that doesn't win much, that you can hire this guy that's won at the SEC level that can recruit, all jokes aside, you hire that guy. Because nobody's going to care about an escort number service scandal from five years ago anymore. Hugh Freeze, head football coach, Vanderbilt University. Hmm. It's a tough job. It is. I mean, their last best coach, or I guess their best coach ever, not a great guy, so it's... Well, then fine then. Hugh Freeze, head coach, University of South Carolina. He would crawl from Lynchburg, Virginia to oh, yeah. South Carolina for that job. Oh, yeah. Absolutely he would. And would be successful there. Yes. Yeah. Dabo versus Hugh Freeze. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the, the sanctimoniousness of that would be in- unbearable. <laughs> the... Um, <laughs> The reason I ask if he's the coach in 2021, obviously, is because uh, Liberty is scheduled to come to Oxford and take on Ole Miss in that season. So I, I told you I had a follow-up question to would they be 9-3 and three this year. Will they be undefeated rolling into Oxford in 2021? Here's the schedule. Campbell at Troy, Old Dominion at Syracuse at UAB, Middle Tennessee at ULM at North Texas, 
UMass. Be close. Maybe nine and zero rolling into Oxford in twenty twenty one. Syracuse is probably a loss, but it'd be, okay. it might be close. I don't know anything anything about any of these teams in their twenty twenty one projections, so I'll probably say no. Eight and one with receiving three votes in the AP top twenty five. Possible. In the others receiving votes category. Liberty Flames. Going into the second season under uh, under Hugh Freeze. They have uh, they had a bunch of success when they were still playing in the Southern Conference at the FCS level. Uh, won or shared six straight Big South Conference titles. 2009 through 2016. They got a nice press box renovation last year. Liberty, team number 111 on the countdown of 100-plus teams and 100-plus days at Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll wrap up the 4 o'clock hour with you after this. Message. (laughs) (laughs) I think my number is programmed listening this afternoon. I think her number is programmed into this system, too, so it's not either of us. Maybe it's my mother-in-law or something. Okay. Do you remember that particular instance? Oh, well, they they happened so much, it just kind of, you know. Noted jerk, Richard Cross. Look, I'm sure there are a lot of people that think that I'm a jerk. I can read any message board in the state of Mississippi and find out that. Sometimes I am. (laughs) Heard that at the crawfish boil on Saturday. Really? (laughs) Jeez. Jeez. Yep. Wow. What was the uh, what? Tell well, the story. It was, it was is he because I listed on the way home from work and it sounds like he doesn't like you very much. So is he? That I don't like you. Yeah. He's like the, the guy was like, man, he just kind of like talks to you like you're his kid or something. Like, is he a jerk? And I'm like, no, I don't. I mean, no. Not really. <laughs> you kind of hesitated there. <laughs> well, I was just so taken aback. It's and I had met the guy for the first time too. Like I had, I didn't know who he was. And so when he heard my name, he looked at me. He was like, "Wait, the guy from the radio?" And I said, "Yeah." And he's like, "Is, is Richard Cross really a jerk in real life?" It's like, wait, what? What? He's like, "Yeah, I mean, he just kind of like talks to you like you're his kid, you know." And I said, well, in fairness, you know, he's old enough to be my dad, but that's yeah, that's a different conversation. <laughs> oh, it's wow. just keep all on coming. All of this is good. I'm a big fan of what's happening here. <laughs> oh, no, but I, I told him, no, no, it's great. He said, okay, well, you know, good to meet you. And that was the only conversation we really had. Was he disappointed with your answer? No, no. he's. Um, he said he's been listening to you for a long time. Like, he's, he's an OG, apparently. Hmm. So you know, I mean, I, hey, I, even if he thinks you might be a jerk, I mean, he—you're doing something right. And he keeps listening. It's good. I think your standard a- answer going forward, regardless of how you actually believe, and I mean, you may think I'm a jerk. That's fine. Um, nah. You should—you should say going forward, he is absolutely yes. <laughs> if you think he's a jerk and he sounds like a jerk, multiply it times a thousand, and that's what he really is. <laughs> Literally, you know the worst person I know. <laughs> Literally, 
Literally. You know what I love the most about the new setup with the video stream? By the way, you can watch uh, like a million different ways. Just go to supertalk.fm slash connect and, and figure out you can watch the video stream. And obviously, if you follow us on Twitter, it kind of pops up at the top of your Twitter timeline, the video stream. My favorite thing, Borky, um, and I'm not talking down to you when I say this. I'm just communicating with you. He's is you. watching Hey Dad's reactions. Like when he gets tickled about something, you don't always hear an audible laugh, but he has this like jolly. He just kind of like starts bouncing in his chair and kind of giggling a little bit to him. He's like that, exactly like this. He starts leaning back and forth, like like Leo Mazzoni when he was the pitching coach of the Braves. He's just got a big smile on his face and he starts rocking. It's great. Yeah, you were able to catch my eye roll the other day too. That was fantastic. Oh, I'm probably some reference to the NCAA, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And I was like, oh, God, here we go again. And... <laughs> uh, Can't get away C-Spire with that text anymore. C-Spire text line is Rippy a jerk. Sure. I'm open um, to that idea. I bet he could Most be if you crossed him, though. Like, he's got that quick wit to where, like, if he wanted to insult you, it wouldn't just be like a slap in the face. It would be like, uh, like come up from behind and, like, cut you or something. Got sliced. I'm trying to think of something better than the black Jesus to refer to myself as, but I just can't. Jordan Thompson. Short Jesus? Yeah, there we go. (laughs) I was fat Jesus on my podcast the other day, so, I mean, we can make it work. Richard, what's up with the haters? Keep up the good work and give them the finger. Give me the finger emoji. Thomas and Greenwood said, Days of Our Lives, LOL. Jason, Borky's about to get Vince McMahon. <laughs> I get that reference. Well done. College football fix is coming your way. Borky, if I'm a jerk to, uh, to you, I apologize. It's not my intention. Like, gen- at least not most of the time. time there's sometimes when it is. But not most of Man, the time. I don't really Way to care. Bury the hatchet I there, think congrats. it, I, based on the text line, I think I'm right. It's entertaining, so it works. Uh. And, and usually, when I am, it's trying to be funny. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at SuperTalk.fm. Just got off the phone with the Jerk Store. They're out of me. We're glad to have you along. Hey, man, dancing in his chair. I made him laugh. We are all good on a Monday. <laughs> With you. <laughs> Good stuff. Ceasefire text lines open 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Equip your organization for simple, successful business continuity with a work from anywhere toolkit from Ceasefire Business featuring powerful resources like UC1 and Office 365. With Ceasefire Business, it's easy to give your team the tools to get things done no matter where they are. Share files in seconds, chat on any device, meet virtually, and more. It's all over a secure cloud-based solution with dedicated local support. And you can easily add industry-leading software like Outlook, Word, Excel, OneDrive, SharePoint, Teams, Office 365, obviously all that from Microsoft. And uh, you can access virtual meeting spaces with features like streamlined screen sharing and calendar integration through UC1. Both are even better with best-in-class reliability and award-winning service and support from C Spire Business. Get your organization remote work ready today. 
at cspire.com slash business. Time right now for the College Football Fix. Take a guess. It is no longer a thing. That's all the old uh, ESPN Saturday Night Football. Yeah, they used no. it. Uh, That's Ron Franklin's music right there, my friend. Mm-mm. You're, you're on to it? it. They don't use it anymore, but it's for... Uh, oh, I'll give it away if I say it. They just don't use it anymore. Is it for the NCAA football? It's for the BCS. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was not Ron Franklin's Saturday Night Football like was it 90s version. No. no. Sounds like it. College Football Fix, by the way, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. Got great financing deals right now on the F-150, especially on a few 2019 models that are still floating around out there. You can also get great financing on 2020s. The F-150, I've told you many, many times, best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years, going almost all the way back to the time that Brian Haydad was born. Almost. My birth sparked that. People were like, we need bigger trucks. (laughs) Well played. Well played. Uh, So, on the college football front, Ross Dellinger, our good friend at Sports Illustrated, how schools are preparing to welcome athletes back on campus in a few weeks. Here are some of the suggestions, some of the things that are being talked about, some of what Ross is hearing the most. Razor. Yep, going to use a measure called Razor. Fogging machines designed as a flu-preventing measure. (laughs) Time out just for a second. This goes off the grid, by the way, of what Ross was talking about. Did you read the article last week about the company that is equipping drones to spray antiseptic uh, whatever inside stadiums? Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that was my thought as well. And then there was some doctor, scientist, whatever, who immediately talked about what a bad idea it was because the residue was going to last on the, the seats, and if it was an outdoor stadium when it rained, that was going to wash it all down to the playing surfaces, and you would have to do this over and over, and it was going to be hazardous and blah, 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 blah. And I want to be like, dude, do you use Lysol at your house? It's what you live in every day anyway. Also, Doc, if you're worried about residue on the seats from a cleaner... There's much worse that exists on the seats already. True story. (laughs) It's it's a reasonable point. This just in. New CDC guidelines. Don't lick the seat when you go to a football stadium. Oh, but why not? Or do. What if I spill my beer? Because apparently that's what everybody was worried about when we were talking about this last year. Not an issue in Starkville. (laughs) Sorry. Try to keep it safe. When is that happening at state, hey Dad? Not anytime soon. Won't when, be this year. When Ole Miss reports its earning numbers from the selling beer in their stadium, that that is, you know, people are going to be like, "Oh, he, you're not wrong." It would be the same thing if roles were switched. Absolutely. I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not, though, because it's not like those earnings numbers aren't out there from schools all over the place. It's different when it's. State is going to be last in this. That's just that's just all I know. What 
What do you think the hang-up is? I just, uh, to put it Am I going to get you in trouble by asking yeah. this and you answering no, it honestly? Not, well, maybe. Uh, I just I don't feel that Dr. Keenum is in favor of it. Is it because of his position, like leadership positions in the college football world, or do you think it's there? Are I think it's a. I think it's alums a personal, that are putting pressure on him. No, no. I think it's. I think it's a personal thing for him. I, I, that could be wrong, but that is the impression that I get. Okay. Well, I mean, listen. I'm sure there. I certainly there haven't spoken to him about lo- it. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there are lots of people who applaud that mm-hmm. and and appreciate that stance. And then there are a lot of people on the other side of things that um, don't applaud that stance. Correct. Which is... Uh, anyway, so the story from uh, Sports Illustrated. Fogging machines designed as a flu-preventing measure called Razor. Wait. We're now going to use fogging machines to prevent flu? I guess. I mean, I, that can't hurt, right? I mean, God knows every year when I was playing football, our locker room got hit with something that made a bunch of people sick, and we just kept on keeping on. And yet here you are still living to talk about it. It's amazing. Yeah. Social distancing, gloves, masks, obviously. Temperature checks at the doors. One-way stairwells, so I guess you can't pass somebody in the stairwell. Are you going to have one-way elevators also? That's a good question. Just thinking out loud here. Um, separating weight room equipment, okay. Some schools will not allow shower access. Okay, you got to go home and take a shower after practice, but or after a workout. I, I'm not a, a disease doctor, but it, isn't a shower where you're cleaning yourself? Why? Yeah, but you when you wash all the germs off of you, potentially your germs could get on somebody else's feet and then might cause them to have like a infection in their feet. We couldn't have that in a locker room. Yeah, because we don't have that already. Ask John Madden about that. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Same page. I like that. Uh, so this says some schools won't allow shower access or passing a football? Yeah, see, how stupid is this? See, Triple that, option, baby! Oh, my gosh. Some of these rules, and then Major League Baseball's rules, which we may get to today, or their their ideas for how they can make everything safe, they, they're not, they don't make any sense. It's nonsensical. Especially after you've tested everybody. We can, I mean, she's going 0-12, can't pass the football. Well, I was going to say, we, we can't play football if we can't pass the football, right? I mean, or is this somewhere, like some sort somewhere of Somewhere Rich Rodriguez is giddy. <laughs> Wait, but this is not talking about in games. It, no, well, what's but, it talking about? No, I mean, you're not allowed to practice throwing the ball like leading up to games? I don't know. I was actually wondering this when I read this earlier, but I, I, I just, maybe I'm being dumb for assuming, but I just assumed this was like when they first get back and you're doing the workouts, maybe hold off a little bit on, like, you know, sharing the football or throwing it or whatever until, like, unless everyone has gloves on, I don't know. Like, it just seemed to me that that was not a permanent thing. Of course, you're not going to go into the season 
uh, and outlaw the forward pass. Although that would be kind of wild and make college football infinitely more interesting. But yeah, but you can't have handoffs there. either because you still would have multiple people touching the football. Yeah, you can't okay, pass a football, football, but you can practice your mesh. Like, football without a ball. Let's make it happen. Yeah. yeah. South Park did an episode about this like five years ago, way ahead of their time. Hey, do you think um, you think Coach Leach would be willing to let us come watch practice if they can't pass the football in practice? Like just some virtual throwing drills? I, I, I hope that he would, yes. I would like to be able to, to be on the cutting edge of that. It could be like that semi-pro scene where you just run the same play, you play offense without the ball until they throw up. Punch hate out in the jejunum. We'll get Why? back to this coming up in, uh, in just a bit. Harry Harrison is going to uh, join us when we come back. Harry played at Ole Miss in the early 70s. He was an All-American defensive back and was teammates with the now late gentle Ben Williams. We're going to talk with Harry uh, a little bit about Ben, the player he was, the person he was, and uh, how we should remember him. We'll do that coming up next on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Monday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey, thanks for being with us. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. That's Farm Bureau Mississippi. Harry Harrison joins us right now, former All-American football player at Ole Miss, cup of coffee with the Saints, currently the color analyst on the Ole Miss radio network. Harry, my friend, what's up? Are we going to play football in September? Richard Cross, we're going to tee it up, baby. I'm ready. I mean, if I, if I have a dollar for every time anybody's asked me that, uh, I, I'll be able to go to the library, check out a book. <laughs> it feels like things are trending in the right direction, though, doesn't it? I think they are. I think things are trending. And you know what? Uh, if you're scared of what might happen, then just don't go. But, I mean, you've you got to be responsible for your health. But, I mean, I don't know how politicians or doctors or anybody can take on the masses and decide, well, it's what's good for New York City is good for Oxford. I don't buy into that, you know? Yeah. I, I want you to uh, take us kind of back down memory lane a little bit. Uh, you were an All-American at Ole Miss, uh, plated there uh, here in the early 70s, and a teammate of the now late Ben Williams, has the, the nickname Gentle Ben, although he was anything but on the football field, if uh, everything I've heard and read um, is uh, is true. Well, what you heard and read is absolutely true, Richard. He, uh, you know, I, you know a, lot was, a lot was made of the fact that he was, he was one of the first two uh, black athletes to come to Ole Miss, and that was in 1972. I, that would have been my uh, junior, junior year. So I'm playing safety, and this is an 18-year-old kid from Yazoo City. As a matter of fact, I wasn't even sure he was 18 by the time he got to camp, but he was so talented and uh, so massive. Uh, if you go back a little bit further than that, you realize that athletes weren't very big, and there was a reason for that because they, they didn't let you drink water. <laughs> they didn't let you do all the things that helped you gain weight. Uh, so offensive linemen were not very big, but Ben came in at about 250 and, of course, wound up playing at 260 or 70, but just a great guy, and so I, I decided it was going. He was going to make me a lot better safety by the fact that he was on the defensive front. So I tried. I took him under my wing. Great, 
great kid. Uh, it, it, you know, really, it's kind of it's kind of funny, and, and Ben would share the same story with I'm getting ready to share. But he, you know, in that in that first summer, things were tough. Uh, two days were real two days. They were literally seven fifteen a.m. and four fifteen p.m. with a little rest in between, maybe a little bit of food in between. But then he went back at it again for fourteen straight days. And Ben, being maybe eighteen or barely. Uh, you know, the grind finally got to him, and they were pushing him hard because they recognized the fact that he was such an athlete. And he finally just had, you know, he, he told me, he said, I'm going to quit. I said, wait a minute, man. I said, we got to talk. So we went over to the athletic department and sat down with the head coach, which at that time was Billy Kennard. And, you know, just uh, I was trying to cheer him up and making sure he wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't letting him go anywhere because I recognized he was going to be quite a talent. But uh, And he was. And so – First year, he was uh, kind of feeling his way around, but uh, so very good. The next year, in 73, man, he was a man among boys. And uh, uh, I, think he, I think that year he had 18 or 19 sacks. Uh, but, you know, it's good. It, it, funny, another funny story. To tell you the truth, we, we didn't let him quit, obviously. <laughs> he didn't go anywhere. But the next year, we, we – in the second game of the year, we fly up to uh, South to to uh, South Carolina to play the University of South Carolina, which is now I don't think they're in the league at that point. They certainly won in the SEC. First time being there, been on an airplane. He told me he said, "You know, I, only airplane I've ever seen is crop duster flying over the other city." I said, "Well, you sit with me." So he told the story more than I've told it. But he gets on the plane and. Uh, I, I'm sitting by the aisle, and I got him over against the window, and he's trying to figure out the seatbelt thing, and he's got that thing tied in a knot. He's getting ready to put it in a double <laughs> knot. And I said, hold, hold on, brother. I said, let me, let me show you a better way. And uh, we've laughed about that for 40, almost 50 years. And uh, But let me tell you, he was a, be- he was a, he was a better man and a, and, and a better person to the community, to the university, to the M Club, whatever you ask him to do, he did it, and uh, he gave back all the time. Last few years, his health has failed on him. Um, you know, he's had stroke after stroke here in the last four, five, six years, and that's really slowed him down. So he hasn't been back as often. But there was a period of time, man. All you had to do was call him; and he'd be right there. I know he used. To, I used to call him to get him to come play in Ken Hall's tournament. Uh, and of course, all the bills came down, and uh, he was on the bills for ten years. You know, you, you right. talked about his career, I'm sure, but uh, got drafted and played with those Buffalo Bills, and I, I got to know a lot of those guys through Kent. But uh, they were all high on Ben. Ben was on a, on a lousy team, but but an All Pro with him, and that's kind of, that's that's way he was. He was just an All Pro type of a guy that gave back, uh, always complimentary. Worked hard and uh, never had problems, man. He was he was always right there. He, he was a dear friend of mine, and I, I really was. I've kept up with him while he's been in the hospital these last few days, and I talked to uh, Butch Evans over the weekend. He's, he's down there in the Jackson area, and they're good friends. And he told me he was getting better. He was going to rehab, and then I found out today he'd had another stroke and died, and that was a shock, of course. Harry, so you, you said Ben was a freshman in 1972. Now, I know when you were a freshman, the freshman team was still in place. So did Ben play with the varsity as a freshman? Had the freshman program ended at that point? 1972 was the year, Richard, they changed the rules. In in my class, in the freshman, I think we signed 39 guys. Now, all 39 could play, but they just go out there and sign a bunch of guys, keep them going to state or somewhere else. But in 72, the NCAA changed the rules. 
And that's when the, I think the 25 scholarship limit went into play and the freshmen became eligible. Well, there weren't many freshmen that were that could play at that point, but Ben was certainly one of them. James Reed, of course, was one of those. Uh, the other black guy where he came from uh, Meridian High School, another great guy in himself, and those guys roomed together. Uh, so a guy named Paul Hopper was in that class, and he played as a running back. Obviously, he had a great career at Ole Miss. So there was three or four guys in that group that wound up playing that, that first year in 72, and that was the very first year that they were eligible to play on the varsity. Harry, I know you've been really uh, involved with the M Club through the years, and that was one of the things that I was kind of reading about Ben that uh, maybe I didn't know about him, and, and that's the fact that he was really, really involved, not just with the M Club on the athletic side of things, but the uh, the university foundation. He was on the board of directors there and had a really successful business career after his professional football career was over. He did. He went back to Jackson and he got into uh, the, the construction business, and you know, there were a lot of contracts being let during those days, and he got a, a bunch of them. And, you know, we, we, there, as we all were growing up, uh, having children and doing different things, so, you know, we kind of grew apart for a while. But as you, you, you get past those days, which you're, you're right in the middle of those, Richard, but when you get past those, you kind of get back together with those guys that meant a lot in your life. And, and Ben was certainly one of those guys. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think he was very successful there. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, it's helped really hurt him in the last few years and uh, I think his house sure. burned a few years ago just because of his health and, and you know that that was a tragic story but uh anyway he's uh, I, I can't say enough good things about him he was uh he was a friend of mine and I hope to be at his, his great size funeral uh, here whenever it is I don't know anything if they said anything about the arrangements do you guys know anything about that not that I've seen yet, so okay. um, well, so obviously be on the lookout for those. I, I want you to give me some context here. So, with the way college football was played when you were in school, seventy-one to seventy-four, nineteen, yeah, that that time frame, eighteen sacks in nineteen seventy-three, one hundred sixteen tackles his senior year. Put that into perspective in terms of where we are in college football right now. Oh, Richard, as many times as they're throwing the football now, uh, 18 sacks would be 30 sacks today. I mean, he, he, you know, college football was running out of pro sets, but running out of the eye. So, you know, you had your fullback lead in your eye and they're running off tackle and hit the guy in the flat. You only had two wide receivers, and occasionally they'd go in a slot formation, but you just didn't, you just weren't throwing the ball all over the yard like they are today. So, if you'd given Ben that many opportunities to sack the quarterback, that 18 would have been easily 30. Game. I mean, and a hundred guys. Do y'all realize from a defensive lineman? Just go out there and look at the, the ones that are in the first round, second, whatever it is, in the last twenty years. Have you seen a defensive lineman ever have a hundred tackles in a season? Well, they have thirty. I mean, we just had two, two or three really good ones graduate, and uh, I think Josiah Cotney had fifty or sixty a year before last, and that was huge. And hey, double that. Okay, that's how good Ben was. Yeah, well, it's really, really incredible, and uh, certainly a uh, a great Mississippian that uh, that we lost today. Harry, I appreciate you spending a few minutes and uh, kind of give us a little perspective on Ben and uh, some stories. And uh, I'm glad he got the uh, the seatbelt thing figured out on the airplane. Thanks to you. <laughs> that was uh, that was a funny moment. Uh, it was a funny time, and he told the story. I forgot about it. He told the story at a bit later on in life, and we've had we've had a lot of chuckles about it, but. But a great guy. We could talk for hours about him, but uh, I appreciate you letting me have the opportunity. All right, my friend. Talk to you soon. 
right, babe. Bye. Harry Harrison, or as Rippy likes to refer to him, Harrison Harrison on the Farm Bureau phone, phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll take a quick timeout. Be right back. See the story out of the University of Kentucky? The cheerleading team, cheerleading squad at the University of Kentucky is considered to be the Alabama Alabama football of college cheerleading. Myron Medcalf, uh, staff writer at ESPN, writes, The University of Kentucky has dismissed the entire coaching staff and the advisor of its powerhouse cheerleading squad after a three-month internal investigation that revealed a lack of oversight by those in charge and a culture of hazing, public nudity, and alcohol use. Sounds like Friday night at the Rippy House, but go ahead. (laughs) I'll hold off until you finish. Hits keep cutting. <laughs> Kentucky's program is the Alabama football, the cheerleading world. I'm not so sure that's even a fair comparison. Have you uh, have you seen that won- documentary on the? It's not Kentucky, but like the community college that's like it's Navarro. basically last chance. Yeah. No, my, my wife Kentucky's watched it. I, I did not there watch a couple it. of times. Cheerleading. Yeah. But just just finish it. Winning twenty four national titles in thirty five years. I mean, that's two out of three for a decade. That's pretty high level stuff. All right. So, what are you talking about? What What did I miss? There was a documentary on Netflix about the Navarro Community College cheer team, which is supposedly the the best in the junior college ranks, and and basically a last chance you for cheerleading. My wife watched it. She was she was really into it. But they compete against like the Kentuckys and all of that of the world, which is kind of yeah. what made it more fascinating. Oh, so they weren't like ratting Kentucky out? No, 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 no. no, no. no. It had, no. They were not. They didn't have anything to do with each other. You just talked about the Alabama football. Like it, Kentucky's mentioned in there a bunch because I think that's one of like their main. Rippy just loved the uh, cheerleading documentary so much he wanted to bring it up on the show today. Yep, that's uh, that was the end goal. I have seen it. It was actually pretty fascinating. In a, uh, in a statement from the university, the advisor and the coaches failed to stop a culture of hazing, alcohol use, and public nudity at off-campus activities where they were present. The school uncovered conflicts of interest involving businesses owned or operated by staff members who also employed cheerleaders. Officials said they are also investigating the program's use of school funds under the former staff members. The allegations that led to the mass dismissal largely stem from a retreat at a place called Lake Cumberland in Kentucky. While there, according to the report, cheerleaders engaged in the use of alcohol and public nudity, including an activity called basket tosses, where members of the team were thrown from a dock while not fully clothed. Multiple team members also needed medical treatment after consuming alcohol, some of which was brought to the retreat by former members of the team At an event in Tennessee, semi-nude team members were urged to make lewd chants in a hazing ritual, according to the report. 
All of the inappropriate conduct occurred in front of staff members who failed to intervene. No evidence of sexual assault or sexual misconduct. Head coach did not respond for comment. Sounds like a lot of bad decision-making there by the adults in the room. Yeah. It feels like everybody's sort of culpable in that one, that it's just... Yeah, like, like I'm not making light of anything in that, but a bunch of college students who drank too much and did some stupid stuff and maybe partially took their clothes off does not strike me as it is impossible for me to wrap my mind around that that happened in a college setting. Not saying it happens all the time. But it certainly happens. That is not a bridge too far for me to get there mentally. But when you're when it becomes part of a culture of an athletic department sponsor program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, when, that, when, that, now, when the now, head coach is the, there. The point. Yeah, when coach is there, yeah. When the coach is there and the assistant coach is there and the advisor is there, they're like, ah, <laughs> pour me another cannonball! Take your shirt off! That that part, that then now we got problems. On top of just being in general, just incredibly awkward, like like that going on with the coaching staff there, like I, I seems a little weird. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, just just slightly. Like I just like the dynamic of that. Like I I don't know. I mean, even if like if you wanted to do like the college fraternity example, if like the advisors and like. The house mother or whatever on tap for whatever's going on there. That'd be pretty pretty weird dynamic. So what is going on there, Rippy? In this report, I don't know. I mean, no, 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 no. It. I mean, in the example you just gave. Oh, I'm just giving a generic example here. It's just like yeah. when you, yeah. No, like I just when, didn't know if you had like some experience when Boone that you and Flounder, or, or when Boone and uh, Pinto uh, smoked pot with their professor that time. Other than that, <laughs> that's a good reference. Anybody? Ripper got it. Okay, good. Um, I, I, I'm with you. Um, what a mess. Yeah, that's not, I mean, none no of that. Question good. When, I mean, when the administration finds out about that, there's no question everybody's losing their job. And yeah, you know, all of them got fired. Right? I mean, there wasn't one guy raising it. They didn't have one hand raised guy to no. come in and say. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't be doing this, you know? What's this? And Head coach Jomo Thompson, assistant coach Ben Head, Spencer Clan, Kelsey LaCroix, advisor T. Lynn Williamson, all kaput, out the door, gone. Yeah, and the overall point I was trying to get to there uh, before Richard just derailed me was if – if it's normalized enough to where the coaching staff is just on hand and letting it fly, I'm going to bet that's not the first iteration of this or event or events. Well, and if it's normal enough that, I mean, let's just be real here for a second. I mean, you got guys and girls that are cheerleaders. But if it's normal enough, and if I'm reading between the lines here enough, that one, two, three, at least three of your coaches slash advisors are male – and you got female cheerleaders who are taking their tops off and are just running around and being part of hazing rituals and jumping in the water or being thrown in the water, and nobody thinks anything about it. Yeah, you got a culture problem. A significant one. 
And I, I'm not like, no preachy when I say that. that. Uh, no, you're, I, but you're again, not wrong. You're not wrong. Like, there's no there's look, no way around it. If none of the coaches are around and the advisor's not around and you just got a bunch of 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old co-eds, it's probably not advisable. But it's not like the craziest thing you've ever heard in your life that they all went out to some lake and had too much to drink and got a little crazy and made some bad decisions. Happens. Yeah. It's one thing when the inmates run the asylum, but when the people running the asylum should be inmates, that's a problem. Yeah, and, and this coach had been there, like the head coach had been there for a long time. Yeah. Right, so what, 11 of the 24 national championships? Uh, no, 18 of the national championships occurred with Jomo Thompson as the head coach. Something about coaches so, so, I mean, Jomo and culture problems, I don't know. I mean, even if you want to go crazy and, and say he was 24 years old when he got the job, I have no idea. You're talking about a guy in his mid-40s who's overseeing this. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. Kentucky is going to engage in a nationwide search moving forward to find a new uh, cheerleading coach and, like, four more assistant coaches and advisor, and they expect the same level of results, according to their release. Tim and McGee. Would the adult please stand up? Yeah. How did they? How did they? Uh, like, who was the whistleblower in this? I guess it had to be one of the athletes because obviously all of the coaches got fired. Um. Yeah. I guess. Or friend of an athlete, or yeah. invited the wrong friend of an assistant coach along the way. It was like, uh, yeah, I don't mean to get you guys in trouble, but this is bad. Yeah. This could get really bad. Somewhere along the way, there was an adult, whether it was a student, participant, somebody. It was like, yeah, this can't keep happening. No bueno. So there's that.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.